Welcome to Critical Value, the podcast from the Urban Institute that explores issues of significance for research, policy, and people. I'm your host, Justin Millman. In this episode, we're going to dive deep into a timely and often controversial question in the world of health policy. What would it take to develop a single-payer healthcare system in the United States? Now, the idea of a single-payer system has been bubbling inside the U.S. for decades. President Truman first proposed a national health insurance program way back in 1945. A number of countries around the world, including Canada, the U.K., and Denmark, currently have variations of single-payer systems but the idea has gained extra momentum in the last few years here in the U.S. largely because of one person, Senator Bernie Sanders. He's calling it Medicare for All. The strengths of a Medicare for All program are not only its universality and its cost effectiveness, it also ends the complexity of a system which adds enormous stress at a time when people need it the least. While a lot of attention lately has been focused on the repeal and replacement of the Affordable Care Act and the rollback of the coverage that law mandates, a single-payer health system goes in the opposite direction. It doubles down on an increased role of government in our healthcare. And recent polling suggests that people are warming to the idea. Some are between one-third to one-half of Americans now say they support a single-payer healthcare system. But, and there is a but here, The single-payer proposals we've seen so far haven't been very specific about how they would work. So the question is, what would the details have to be to get single-payer off the ground here in the U.S.? To get some answers, I sat down with Linda Blumberg, a senior fellow in the Urban Institute's Health Policy Center. We'll talk about the practical considerations that policymakers will have to address if they want to design a viable single-payer system. What does single payer mean? And is there even a single definition of single payer? I think at its core, single payer refers to there being one entity that is providing health care insurance for an entire population, however that population is defined, and that one entity is bearing all of the risk of the potential claims um, for that health insurance coverage. And it's generally the federal government or some other government. What do proponents find particularly compelling about a single-payer approach? What's compelling about the idea of single-payer is its simplicity. We have an incredibly complicated system, and the Affordable Care Act has expanded coverage substantially and um, increased affordability for a lot of people, but it's done so by trying to wrap around the pieces that were already there that people liked and that um, you know, you didn't want to get rid of uh, for that reason. And it's, you know, so when you take a patchwork kind of system and you put more patches around it, it by its nature gets even somewhat more complex. Um, and I think, you know, the idea of single payer, one plan, everybody's in it, um, it has a real simplicity of appeal. The other part of it is that it has a real equity appeal for a lot of people that right now, um, while it's better than it was prior to 2014, um, a lot of um, how much health care you can buy is related to, and the types of providers you have access to, is, is in, in significant part related to how much money you have. And when you have everybody in the same system, they're getting the same benefits, um, and uh, they're, they're paying 
the same amount out of pocket for it, there's a real um, sense of uh, improved equity. And I think that's an advantage as well. So there are a number of plans now percolating on both the state and federal level. And looking at developing single-payer plans, what do you think is most important for policymakers and policy analysts as they think about developing those plans? Well, there's an array of policy decisions that have to be made in order to lay out a real concrete plan here. So first of all, policymakers have to decide whether or not a plan is going to eliminate all private insurance plans that are currently in place. Some of the proposals, for example, the most recent um, approach from Bernie Sanders um, for Medicare for All would eliminate all private insurers. The majority of people below age 65 in this country have health insurance coverage through a private insurer, most likely their employer. So eliminating that completely would lead to significant changes in coverage for many people. Another big piece that has to be decided upon is how we're going to pay healthcare providers, so hospitals, physicians, drug manufacturers. If there's a universal system and a lot of it's run through a government insurer, then we have to be thinking about the rates that we're paying to these healthcare providers. How are those rates going to be set and at what level? That has different um, political implications depending upon how it's done, and it also has potential access to care implications um, depending upon how those choices are made. We also have to be thinking about whether or not we're going to require everybody to have health insurance coverage. That's been one of the most controversial components of the Affordable Care Act, the requirement that most people have health insurance coverage or pay a penalty. If we're gonna keep going down that road and with a, a system like this require that everybody be enrolled, then we're gonna have to deal with how that requirement would be implemented and what the support for it would be politically. So health spending in the U.S. is already significant and thinking about transitioning to a single-payer health care plan, a universal coverage, it would be even more significant. Can you give us a sense of the scale and how we would actually get there? Well, it's a, a very large scale because right now in this country we spend about 18 percent of GDP on health care. And some of those are federal dollars, some of them are state government dollars, some of it is private spending. And so when we think about financing the coverage of Americans much more fully and comprehensively through the tax system, some of those dollars that are currently being spent by government could be shifted to help pay for that. But we'd end up having to increase government spending very substantially to cover what's being spent privately and any increases in total use of care uh, and spending that would come from providing a much more comprehensive system. So this can lead to um, big increases potentially in revenue that's needed. One important consideration in the development of a single payer system would be how much people pay per visit or per prescription. In other words, the co-payment rates. Talk a little bit about what different options would be in setting copayment rates for people who are actually enrolled in the program. We can look at this in, in, um, at one extreme, which is that there should be no out-of-pocket payments, that everything should be covered by the insurance, and that all benefits would be included. Um, that's as broad as you can go and as expensive for the federal government as you can go. It also leads to the greatest use of healthcare services, because if we face 
very little or no cost out of pocket, when we go to get services, we're gonna end up using more of them um, for better or for worse. And so you wanna be thinking about not only how, where's the right kind of point to set those requirements so that um, it's uh, affordable with the tax revenue sources we have on the federal side and people are able to access the care that they need, but also should those vary? So should we have maybe no or very little cost sharing requirements on the lowest income people and having those requirements increase. So one of the best concrete examples that we have of a state trying to implement a single payer health system is in Vermont. How did they think about paying for that system? What they had been looking at was a combination of payroll taxes and income taxes. And they could have done other things too, but this was kind of one shot at what would it cost if we did it through these routes. And, and their estimates were that they would need a new 11.5% payroll tax um, plus an income tax that might go as high as 9.5%. So that in and of itself led to a real pause in the conversation about moving forward. And what do you think? Should states be thinking about single-payer efforts on their own? Is this something that is actually feasible, or does this feel like a fool's errand? I think it's very challenging to do this at the state level. So for example, the Medicare program um, for those age 65 and older and for the disabled is federal a federal program, right? It's not a program that varies by state. And so thinking that you'd be able to take those federal dollars and fold it into a system to bring everybody into the same plan, um, I think would be incredibly challenging to make that happen. Um, you need changes in law to allow that. If you left the 65 and older population where they were and focused on the non-elderly, um, there are some opportunities for doing that, but it's gonna vary enormously state by state. So for example, a state with a lot of resources, a lot of high income people is gonna have more potential uh, for raising revenues than is a state that is very low income. So this would be, um, it's, I think it's politically challenging basically in any state because of the revenues that are needed, but it's um, almost impossible in some states compared to others. Any other big picture reflections on this Medicare for all proposal? Well, I think, the, the way that a proposal like this works is gonna be very specific to the details in whatever law is passed. And so for example, if you're thinking about this as an incredibly comprehensive, no cost sharing or extremely little cost sharing policy that everyone is in, that's a very different picture than if you're trying to um, move in, in the direction of universal coverage, but you're allowing some people to keep their private insurance if they want it, and that you're, you're varying the benefits based on people's income. So it's a useful starting point, but the details are really going to matter, and some of the key policy decisions that they make in the design of the program will really, Im will really impact both the cost and who's covered and how it can roll forward. Absolutely, and you really want to have a very concrete understanding of all of these choices because we're talking about a major change to the healthcare system here in doing this. And just having a big picture kind of sense that this is gonna be a positive and that everybody's gonna be better off is really not the way to move into it because there's going to be redistribution. Some people are gonna pay more, some people are gonna pay less. Um, some people are gonna get more benefits than they had before, um, but the costs are gonna be distributed in really different ways. 
As with all our episodes, we're going to close with some key takeaways. Here are three things you need to know. One, the single pair concept is compelling and growing in popularity, but policymakers are going to have to make some really hard decisions about the details. Two, no matter the design, single pair systems will increase government spending dramatically. The price tag will be in the trillions of dollars per year. And three, there will be winners and losers in a shift to a single pair system. We'll have to have some difficult conversations about whether we require everyone to get coverage and how much we ask people to chip in through co-payments for their healthcare. So that's our show. Thank you again to Linda Blumberg. You can find her work on healthcare reform and more on our podcast page, www.urban.org slash critical value. Big thank you to you, our listeners. Y'all are way ahead of the curve, the earliest adopters, and we appreciate the support. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family to download us. If you want to hear more episodes, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It takes like five to eight seconds, and we'll have new episodes dropping every couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Vicky Gann and I produced this episode. Vicky also edited the episode with Matt Johnson. And thanks as always to Yafon Powers for her help on all things podcasts. Our theme song is by Moby. For everyone on the Critical Value team, this is Justin Milner signing out.